turn my mic up. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. Hustle fam, hustle fam, we are back with another amazing episode. Today I have a very, very special guest. I got my brother Thomas Johnson with me, aka Tank Johnson. He said his homeboys call him Tank, so I said, well, I'm calling you Tank then. You know, you know what I'm saying? So um, pro athlete, um, entrepreneur, um, trucking boss, you know what I'm saying? Logistics boss. Um, we're going to talk about it all today, man. First of all, I want to welcome you to the show. Welcome to Truck and Hustle. Thank Tank. you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate I'm it, bro. It. Appreciate it. All right, man. So there's a lot you have going on, um, specifically with your company, Unite Us Global. And we're going to get into that. Um, and I think the Hustle fam and everybody listening is going to be really excited about some of the opportunities that you have going on with Unite Us. But let's, let's, let's get into your backstory a little bit and talk about how you got here. Uh, to unite us global, if you don't mind. So let's start from the beginning, man. You pro, pro athlete football. Let, let's let's take it all the way back. Where, where, where are you from? Talk about coming up. Uh, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, South Memphis, that is. Um, it's a whole nother it's part of Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> South Memphis. Now, is, is is that where like Yo Gotti and those guys are from? He's from North Memphis. Okay. That's where kind of like the Young Dolphs and the yeah, yeah, yeah. Three Six Mafia. So is it more gritty in South Memphis or is it a little better? Both. Yeah, it's great. Super. Yeah, Memphis it's, is Memphis. Memphis is Memphis. Right. So either way, you duck low and you yeah. make sure you're good. All right, cool. Right. I'm listening. Right. Memphis. So yeah, man, I grew up in a single parent home, you know, three kids. Um, it's crazy. I was just reflecting on uh, where I come from, you know. I remember, you know, uh, in my home, we only had three televisions, one in the front room, one in my mom room and one in my sister room. Mm. And me and my brother, we had twin beds. We shared a room and the doorway to my sister room was here, my bed here, my brother's here. And he can see the TV from her room. So I had to put a mirror on the door <laughs> so, so I can watch TV from the mirror. And, oh, I, wow. and I did that for like four years, man. Wow. So wow. yeah, so I come from humble beginnings. You know, I remember uh, when uh, my, my mother was filling out college applications, um, she had to put her income on there. That's when I really, realized that we were financially struggling. Mm. Um, man, um, her income was $17,000. Wow. Right, raising yeah. three kids. And yeah. from that day forward, I said, I never asked my mother for nothing. Mm. And since then, I literally only taken about $500 from my mother since I was 18 years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I come from very humble beginnings. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So after that, you know, I went on to college to Middle Tennessee State, uh, played there for four years, uh, got my degree, worked on my master's, graduated in four years with honors, um, was a scholar athlete of the year in 2004, made the dean's list four times, so I'm excited about that. No doubt, though. Um, left there, went to the Dallas Cowboys, uh, the Houston Texans, and I retired with the Atlanta Falcons. Dope. So you, you, you focused on school, obviously, because you were able to make the Dean's List. Now, a lot of athletes don't do that. Why did you take school so seriously? You know, in the beginning, I didn't. Okay. You know, um, academically, I wasn't eligible uh, coming out of high school. That's why I ended up at Middle Tennessee State. Okay. Um, I originally was uh, was going to go either to LSU or Ole Miss, but academic, I wasn't, I didn't have it. And um, after my freshman year, I bombed some classes, right? Mm. And my coaches was like, man, you, you, you come here to get education. Right. If you're not getting the education, I'm gonna have to get you a plane ticket back home. 
And so I shift that focus to, you know, really. And I owed it to myself because even as an athlete in high school, they, they push you for classes like, man, right, show up. I, yeah. yeah. And I owed it to myself to see what I have intellectually. So, no doubt. you know, in doing it, I'm like, man, school is easy. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right, right. Yeah. What, what, was the league always in your plans? Uh, you know what? I didn't even know I was good at football until uh, about my 11th grade year. Okay. Uh, a guy by the name of Marcus Smith came to me. He's like, man, every time I go on a recruiting trip, they ask me who was who number seven. And I'm like, man, he's in the 10th grade. <laughs> so that's when I was like, okay. So I, you're a big, 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 big kid. Yeah, man. I put on 30 pounds every year in high school. I went okay. to high school. I was like 190. Okay. I left high school at 280. So I gained 100 pounds. How tall were you? 6'2". Oh, so you were big. You, yeah, you would look like kid. you was in the NFL already. Right. <laughs> I was a big all right, kid. All yeah. right, cool. Yep. So go, so go ahead. So, so okay, so basically, um, you, 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 you go to uh, school, um, you graduate. Talk to me about go, going into the league. Like, talk, tell me about that whole process, everything, you know. What, were you excited about the league? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you were, but tell I me a little bit about that. I was super excited okay. and, and disappointed, too, on draft night. You know, I didn't get drafted. I was a free agent. Okay. So I was super disappointed. And um, my agent called me. He was like, man, uh, Detroit may take you in the fifth. And they didn't. And he called and he told me why they didn't. And I was, I, that was discouraging. Mm. Um, why you know, didn't they? Because they said they came back into my old neighborhood and they saw where I come from. And they just didn't want to take the chance. You know, um, I guess it was during the whole time of just cleaning up from guys with domestic violence and guys with drug abuse and stuff like that. Right. And you go in my neighborhood, man, you, it's, it's zombie land almost, you know, right, crackheads right. everywhere and prostitution and stuff like that. So they, that, that that brings a bad rap on some. So guys. so you had nothing in your particular background. It's just them going back to your old neighborhood. They were like, man, we don't want to we don't want to touch that. You know, I wasn't the uh, cleanest kid. I'm not gonna lie. You yeah. know, um, coming up in Memphis, man, being a big kid, nobody's gonna fight you. Everybody's gonna pull a gun on you. Um, everybody want to prove that they're tougher than you because you're big. So I got into a lot of scuffles as a kid. So I did have some some. Uh, Troubling backgrounds early in life, you know. Got you, got yeah. you. So, so you get into the league. What, what's, what's the money like? Does it change? Does it change your life financially? Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about that. Talk about that. So you know, it's levels. Yeah, you know, for sure. NFL, you know, sure. I, I know I was super excited. I got my first check, man. It was like nineteen thousand dollars. I was so excited, right? <laughs> right. And then I'm sitting next to Greg Ellis, who's in the league maybe fifteen years by now, right? And he was looking at my check, and he was like. Yeah, but when it looked like this, young blood. <laughs> <laughs> and what did, what, what did his look like? It was like 280. That's what he getting every week. <laughs> right? So you get my 19, 19 and his 280. And, 280. <laughs> and you like, hold on, am I playing the wrong position? Right. Like, what, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, he's been in the league a while, so yeah. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. I mean, because basically you're thinking that you're getting this big check and you're like all excited oh, about it. Right. And then you realize that that it's levels to it. Absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, my first check was bigger than what my mom made a year. Mm. Got you. Uh, so um, ever since I got my first check, my mother hasn't worked since. What did you do with your first check? Put it up. Put it up? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Got you. In the league... Um, you know, with with a lot of your peers in there, like how how did you get along like with the other players and everything coming in? Because I mean, you like you said, you came from humble beginnings, and maybe you were able, able to identify with other players. Like how how'd that whole thing go? No, man, everybody was so amazing, especially my rookie year in Dallas. Man, all the guys was 
so dope, man. Yeah. I mean, Demarcus Ware is amazing. Chris Canty, Jay Radliff, Jason Ferg. I could just name off the entire roster, just good men. Right. And I'm still more close to those guys from the first team than I am with the last team I played with. It was just a solid group of guys. Got you. When you say amazing, what what about them stands out to you then, or stood out to you then, and that you still could like kind of reminisce on now that that really like made an impact in your life? You know, uh, the perception of an athlete. You know, me coming from humble beginnings and then going into the Dallas Cowboys is this conglomerate of, of sports uh, team, right? Thinking these guys come from LSU and Auburn, all these bigger schools. I'm thinking that their attitude is going to be arrogant and not want to be team, team, you know? Right. Man, them guys, none of that matter. Mm. Like every team I played on, every guy was as humble as I am. Gotcha. It was cool. It wasn't, money wasn't a problem. You know, the, 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 the uh, world may see us differently, but once you get in that locker room, man, everybody's just great guys, family men, just awesome people. Got you. How how was the corporate aspect of the NFL dealing with the, the with the business side of things? I mean, because the players are one thing, right? You guys are the workers. You guys keep the engine running. But what about corporate? Cutthroat. Mm. Talk, talk talk about that, Ooh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's it's vicious, man. I mean, it's it's what can you do for me right now? Mm. It's not what can you do tomorrow right now and if you can't get it done right now you're gone when did you learn that lesson man day one you know you come in you go into training camp it's 100 plus guys by the second week you're down to 80. you've been training with these guys all summer and then training camp come first week 20 guys gone it's like oh wait a minute y'all was just high-fiving and right. you know they talking to the coaches everybody smiling and right it's like they got a position on every team. They call him the Grim Reaper. Mm. You see him walking to your all your locker. <laughs> you hear some smoke in there, right? Right. And he going. The only thing he's going to say is, "Bring your playbook with you." So how how did that change your mindset? What did you then start doing to position yourself for the future, knowing that man, it could be over any day here. You know what I'm saying? And you know, um, it it didn't happen to after Houston. Uh, when I was with Dallas, you know, everything was going great, um, rolling with the team and. One day they was like, uh, Houston trading for you. I'm like, okay, uh, you gotta go get on a plane today. Hmm. So it was like, I gotta, so I'm at practice. So you don't know nothing. This, this is just <laughs> straight up like- I'm at practice. And, and, who, and who gives you this information? So the D-line coach came to me and he was like, I think Houston's going to trade for you. So you can't practice today, just stand beside me. So I'm like, okay. And um, probably uh, 45 minutes later, you know, they brought me off the field and Bill Parcells was like, yep, Houston's training for you. Is there anything we could do to keep you? And I saw the numbers, so I had to leave, you know? Right, right. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's strange because it's like, you, you don't even know people are making decisions about your life and you don't even have any input in it. Right. And that's why it's, it's very important to um, put out good energy everywhere you go because decisions are being made about you and you don't know it. Right, right, right. Were there any other people that kind of had like similar scenarios that you saw them go through that that helped you in like, you know, your transition? Nah, man, it's it's devastating regardless, you know, uh, once you're on one team and you want to lock in here and then all of a sudden the next day you don't even have time to pack your home, you know? Right. Next day you're in Houston. I had to fly my mom up to pack my house and get rid of my house. And so, so, so you were literally playing, like practicing in Houston the next day, getting like this was during the, the very season next, and everything? The very next, this was the first week of the season. 
wow. when this happened. So this happened like on a Wednesday. Right, right, right. right? And I was playing in Houston that Sunday. Yeah. So how was that adjustment? Like when you come to a new team, like how how do the players receive you? Like, do they look at you as like the guy who's just getting traded or do they like, oh, okay, he's just another one of the guys? Like, how how, how is that? Um, it just depends. Your position guys are a little threatened. Okay. You know, because they bringing in a new guy to play what you play. Yeah. So evidently they saw something in him that they was missing on the team. Right. So guys will look at you a little different that way, but guys in the other position that play like linebacker behind you, they happy you there, you know, like they needed you here. So right. it just depends on the position, I'll say, and what kind of welcoming you. Got you. At what point did you start thinking about life after football? Um, After the trade from, after I got released from Houston. Okay. I got released from Houston and um, I ended up signing with the Falcons. Okay. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Um, I don't want to have to pick up and move all the time. Right. So I had to start thinking about life after football, but I didn't immediately. You know, I still was playing and Atlanta was such a fun city to play for and starting and having a great time, making a lot of money. So I didn't think about it then. It didn't really happen to maybe two years after I retired. Got you. And, and what were you thinking about doing? Like, what was your, what ideas did you have? Oh my goodness, man. Um, athletes really don't know. I, I honestly didn't know. I, I got a degree in education. Um, and, you know, teachers, you know, when I start taking the Gates test in Georgia and learning how much teachers make, and I was like, no way. <laughs> this, yeah. this is Unfortunately, sad. Unfortunately, that's, that's, that's you know, sad a, a too. A teacher make $40,000 a, a year. Right. I was making, at the time, $70,000 a week. Right. You know, I can't, I can't, I need food stamps and everything, man. Right, 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 <laughs> and $40,000. Right. So at that point, I went into a, a small phase of depression. I really did because I didn't know what was next in life, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I reached out a, a guy by the name of Andy Schroeder. You probably saw that on my uh, YouTube clip. Mm -hmm. uh, reached out to me, you know, they teach uh, NFL guys resume building skills um, and put them in front of companies that, that, that are hire athletes. Okay. And I didn't know this existed. Like, I didn't even know Fortune 500 companies literally seek athletes. Mm. Like they will hire athlete in a heartbeat because they know athletes are coachable. They know if they made it to where they made it to as a pro or even on a college level, it has to be some structure, discipline, and extreme focus. And this guy is not going to come into my organization and rewrite the playbook. Right. He's used to following the playbook. Right, right, so. Right. What's that organization called? Uh, it's called the Bridge to Success with the NFL. Okay, mm -hmm. so they 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 have like different opportunities in different fields, and mm -hmm. is that how it works? Yep. So they bring guys in and they put you in front of uh, Fortune 500 companies, and you'll do like mock interviews the day before, and then um, uh, the the uh, organization will present the job offers, okay. and then you can sign up for different uh, times of that next day okay. to interview for those positions. Okay, so it's like preparatory, like they're preparing you for the workforce and they're giving you opportunities as well. That's Man, they hiring people on a site. Really? <laughs> yes. Wow, so what type of jobs? Man, sales and insurance, uh, working for Pepsi, Nike, Adidas, UPS, a lot of Fortune 5, any position. Um, from sales to marketing to, man, um, dispatching to whatever. Did you know anybody else who went through that uh, through that program aside from yourself? No, I, I, at the time, no, um, not when I signed up for it. No. Okay, yep. got you. So, so talk about it. So, you go to that program. What happens next? 
man, it was life changing, you know, uh, to see all of these other athletes going through the same thing that I was going through, uh, trying to figure out what's next in life. Uh, just to see those guys from different ages, it was guys 60 years old still trying to figure out what to do next in life. Cause you got to think about it, man, these guys been phenomenal athletes since they were seven years old, Yeah, you know, and that's all they know. And people been babying them and pampering them their whole life. And it's like, this is a whole new world. Right. It's it's a whole. How, how do you deal with that emotionally? Because when you're an athlete, you're you're on the top, right? You're, especially like most athletes have been at the top for their whole life. Like they probably were like high school athletes, uh, to college, so forth. So you're always used to being at the top, and then you kind of like get this like check reality check of like, all right, now you have to be just like everybody else. And it's tough. It is tough. I'm gonna tell you a, a true story. Um, I was at LA Fitness. Still thinking I had a chance, just about a year and a half after my retirement. Achilles injury took me out. I was rehabbing, feeling good. And one day I laid back on the bench, head buzz in, lift that weight. And I said to myself, you have no reason to do this anymore. Hmm. Dude, I set that weight down. I went out to my car and I cried for about two hours. Wow. It was tough. Wow. It was tough to so that's, when, that that's when you realize it like, you know what, why am I even here? Because I'm not competing at, at that level anymore. So I need to, if anything, shift my focus to right. something else. Best day of my life. Best day of my life. So what happened? Where did we shift our focus? And then I went to that symposium with, with the retired athletes. The keynote speaker was um, uh, um, George Willis. Okay. George Willis at the time was running UPS Atlanta. Um, he was just talking about transportation. I see this young African-American man running UPS Atlanta. I'm like, oh my God. And my, my grandfather, retired truck driver. My dad's a retired truck driver. So I'm looking, all I was thinking was trucks when I think of transportation. Right. And I'm like, this man run UPS Atlanta. Mm. And at the time he couldn't have been no more than 40, right? Young, young man, it's 2012. And he, I, I shook his hand because he just, sparked something. I don't know what it was. Just transportation just immediately clicked and I shook his hand and he said, uh, and I told him, thank you for a speech. And he was like, man, just attack whatever you do in life, just like you attack sports and you'll be okay. Simple. That's simple. <laughs> I'm like, and all I did was work right. to get where I got. Right. So that's, and I put my head down and he don't know. And, and this was 2012. Yeah. I start interning for a trucking company um, um, out of South Carolina. I, I interned as a dispatcher okay. for six months. Okay. Uh, learned that, loved it. Uh, took his company from profiting about 2,500 a week per unit to over 3,000. Um, then they wanted to hire me on full time. And I was like, no, nah, man, I want, <laughs> I want to learn more. Yeah. Um, and then I interned for another company called A.D. Johnson Company. I worked in uh, safety, compliance, uh, okay. accounts receivable, payables. And then um, I was a continuing dispatcher as well. And I was running the drivers to death, right? <laughs> Didn't know nothing about hours of service, right, laws. Right, right, I knew right, none right. of that. Just I, just doing knew, your thing. I just knew how to get a truck from A to B. Right. And I said, you know what? I need to learn a little bit more. So I got my CDLs and I started driving uh, at Western Express. Okay. Drove there for two years as a, a driver trainer. Okay. I was there for six months and I became a trainer. I was one of their fastest uh, trainers that they hired at the time. Uh, okay. They usually want you to have a year experience. Got you. 
What was it about the speech that George, what George was saying that really attracted you to the industry when he was up there talking? He was just talking about how broad it was, you know, with the international st stuff, the airplanes that they do, the rail systems, and just to see him, it wasn't even what he was saying. Mm. He, he could have been, like, been talking, wah, 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 exactly. But just seeing that black just man, seeing that young up there black man in that position of power. In that position is everything I wanted to be. Right. Because I've always had on shorts, cliques, helmet, shoulder pads. Yeah. And at this point in my life, um, I have a, a, a real challenge with myself that I have to prove to myself that I'm more than an athlete. No doubt, no doubt. So you said you started interning. How did you get those opportunities to intern? So the company out of South Carolina is a guy that I played with in Dallas named Vontrell Jameson. Okay. Uh, him and his dad company, he played at Clemson. And when he was in Dallas with me, he was a free agent. So, you know, free agents didn't make as much money as the guys who was on the team. So I let him stay with me right. for free. You right. know, he's a good dude. And we had, he was a real good friend at the time. And he was telling me about trucking then. And when I retired, you know, we, stayed, we kept that friendship. He only played that one year. But I played six, so I, I kept going, okay. but kept that relationship and stayed friends over the years, and he gave me that opportunity. Got you. Did, did you choose to be an intern, or was it kind of like he was like, hey, man, I got a spot. I mean, I really can't pay you, but... Like, no, how, how I, I chose work? to do it because I had nothing to offer. You know, I didn't I didn't know nothing. Mm. I just know a truck. What, I didn't even know a Freightliner versus Kenworth, you. you know, so... So they were giving you the opportunity. Yeah. So it's like, let me go in here and learn. I'll learn for free, and then go from there. So you said then you started driving for Western Express after interning with another company, right? So you got a lot of uh, fundamental like back-end knowledge, dispatching, invoicing. You, you're doing all that stuff, but you don't know the driver's side, like, you know, to have that empathy towards the drivers or what they go through. Is that why you decided to get in the truck? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because okay. I wanted to learn as much as I could before I started my own company. And I knew that I was going to do that one day. And I didn't want to come straight from the NFL and just start throwing money at the situation, right? Right. I really wanted to learn. I didn't come from peewee to the pros, you know, in, in football. So why don't you spend this time learning? So I spent about six years before I started my company. Tell me about that, man. How was it being a driver? Man, I loved it. You were over the road? Over the road. Okay. The whole time. Um, home on the weekends, but I absolutely loved it. It gave me a chance to think. Most of the time, I never listened to the radio. Right. Just driving and thinking, growing my company in my brain. I like that. How was the pay? In the beginning, it sucked. You know, Western Express, I think I was making like 36 cent a mile, maybe 32 at some certain points. Right. Um, but it wasn't about the money. Gotcha. It's about the experience. Got you. Got you. So you said you were growing your company in your brain. What does that mean? Um, you know, I got some friends that's in transportation um, that I grew up with. And we talked every day when I was driving about you know, starting a trucking company. You know, we all had, I had a unit by this time. Another friend had three, another one had two, and it was five of us, right? right. So we putting this thing together and you know how it is when you're trying to do business with friends that never works out, right? <laughs> For sure, <laughs> For sure. unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately. <clears throat> so um, that didn't work out, but that's how I came up with the name of my company. Okay. Unite Us. Unite you know, Us. Cause I was thinking about bringing my friends together and doing something great. Right. Why was that important to you to, to do something with your friends? I think it's important for us to do stuff together, period, mm. because it's so much easier if we come together. Right. And that's 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 my whole thing in life, because if I run into a challenge, why do you have to run into that same challenge? If I got this knowledge, I should be telling you how to avoid this 
challenge right. or giving you the game so you won't even run into that challenge. Gotcha. And us together be stronger, you know. So that's why I came up with that. So you guys start working together. So you, what do you, how are, how are you working together with these other guys? Are they, do they have their own trucks? And you're just, tell, tell me a little bit about the business structure. Um, then my, my guys, they had their own truck. We always leased on to different companies. We, we wasn't leased on together or, or any of that before we started the company. Um, and maybe a couple of weeks before I started Unanus, uh three of the guys backed out. You okay. know? One of them was doing really well with his three units. He didn't feel a need. And another one couldn't get his mental together. You know, he's crazy on social media, doing the most. And I'm trying to tell him we got to scale back on that because I want to go in front of corporate. Right. Corporate is going to look at your social media. And right. I know that from the NFL. Right, right. Yeah, because right. they have guys that come in before the season and tell you, like the FBI, we watching your page. Mm. I don't care if it's a private message. I don't care if it's something you DMing. Wow. They can see it. Wow. So so what is Unitas, Unitas's mission? Like, what are you trying to do with Unitas at, so, at that time? At that time, really was to just bring my friends together because we were all hardworking drivers. Um, I taught them how to dispatch their own trucks. And I, and that was the sole mission, just to bring my guy. Okay. Sole mission. So you guys kind of like bounce off each other, like maybe network, offer opportunities to each other, like have like a syndicate kind of. Right. Okay. And you know, um, I'm not being arrogant at all when I say this, but I knew my friends couldn't get indoors that I could. Right. That's why I wanted to bring them in and show them that I can, you know, speed this thing up. You okay. know, everybody want dedicated freight. Everybody want to get in front of somebody. And, you know, playing football is a platform. It puts you in rooms with different people. So, mm. and I want to do that for my, my guys. And um, it's sad that we didn't see the same thing. Got you. So you said it, it didn't work out, unfortunately. So how do you move on from that? You know, at first it was another slight depression stage. Like I'm actually losing friends. Right. To this process. Trying to, trying to help your friends. Trying to help your friends. And, you know, um, I had a, I had a, I listened to a Facebook preacher uh, that I went to college with that same night say, you know, success is like walking into a hotel, getting on the elevator. 20 people may get on that elevator with you, but somebody going to get off on floor one, two people might get off on three, one person might get on, five people might get off. By the time you get to the top, it may be four people on that elevator out of the 20. But them four people may got on on the fifth floor, might have got on on the eighth floor, and them four people may, you know, um, over, how can I say this, uh, um, take the place of them 20, mm. the relationships you build with them four. Mm. So that made me feel so much better. And I mean, the next month, I literally had contracts. Hmm. I was in business three months before I got my first contract. So this is you as a solopreneur truck. You, you have your own truck, mm -hmm. right? Just one truck, and yep. So me, so one guy stayed. My okay. business partner now today, okay. uh, James. He had he knew nothing about trucking. Okay. Now does he have a truck too, or just you no. guys are both? We're both partners. On? Okay. Well, but just one truck though. Yep. Both of you mm -hmm. invested money wise. Yep. Okay, I'm listening. Yep. And he had um, he didn't have a lot. Um, I had the majority of the money, and just the fact that he had the faith in me to give his life savings, I was like, let's go. Mm. Yep, and I was the driver, the dispatcher, the, you know, he still was working his job yeah. and, and all of that. 
And the way you make that work is sacrifice, right? Um, with that one truck, I paid myself about $700 a week, put everything back into the company, and we grew from there. Got you. So you said you had three contracts within three months? Or I had my first contract. First within. contract within three months. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. How do you get that first contract? So when I started building my company, you know, uh, putting it together, I reached back out to George. George okay. Willis. Mr. Willis. Six years later. Wow. Email. George, you don't know how much you changed my life. This is where I am. I, I ran my whole story from the, that day meeting him to me interning and blah, 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 and getting my own truck and working. And he was like, oh, my God, that's so inspiring. Uh, I'm not in Atlanta anymore. I've went on to run UPS uh, Europe, and now I run the western half of the United States for UPS. True. Let me connect you with uh, my head of uh, transportation. And he introduced me to Matt Conley, which is the other guy in the video. And, man, me and Matt hit it off like none other, man. And uh, from there, you know, they walked me through the process. And then, you know, going through the process of, becoming a, a carrier for UPS, they learn so much on how difficult it is for a minority to do business with them. Right. So they got it, cause they way up here, right? This is like, he was running the Western half of the United States for UPS at the time. So he never onboarded a carrier. They know nothing about it. All they know is we want to move billion dollars worth of freight every right, year. Right, right, right. So them going through that process with me kind of opened their eyes to why they don't have their minority spend together like they need to. Mm. In your mind, did you always know you reached back out to George? Like, did you always like have that? Like, when I get to a certain point, I'm gonna hit George up. And yes, and that was just to say thank you. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it turned into this. And it turned into something bigger than you could have imagined. Yep. yep. Okay, got you. So you connect with George, um, you get that first contract. Where do things go from there? servicing the contract and um, I'm talking to George every month, giving him updates. And he's telling me, I remember him, I remember clearly the day I was pulling up at a pilot, setting my brakes. I knew I had a phone conference with George that day, got me a shower prepping. And he said, and he was talking to me, he was like, I see you guys servicing and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you don't even know who you're on the phone with. <laughs> right? Okay. And then, I took that for the grain of salt. I'm like, I do know you do, you George, I know you are. Right. And literally two months later, he got promotion to president of the whole United States of UPS. Mm, wow. Right. Wow. So he ended up coming back to Georgia because uh, you know the headquarters here in Georgia, we had cop lunch at UPS and he asked me something that just took a whole turn for my company. How can you help us get UPS minority spend up. UPS outsource almost a billion dollars worth of freight and minorities represent less than 1% of that. Less than $10 million out of a billion dollars worth of freight wow. annually. Wow. How can you help us? Then he started talking about investing, UPS investing it into my company. And as soon as he started saying it, I heard the womp, womp, womp again, right? <laughs> And I stopped him. I said, what do you think about a consortium concept? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, George, I'm a part of all of these organizations, Small Business Association, NMSDC, um, uh, uh, Hispanic Chambers of Commerce, the Chambers of Commerce. I'm locally in Texas, in Georgia. I was just moving around in different uh, organizations. And I know so many carriers that would love to do work with UPS. And he's 
just, it was me, him, and the head of transportation. The eyes just got big. And they said, put it on paper. Mm. And so I worked with the, um, the head of supply diversity and the head of transportation on constructing uh, the platform and the blueprint of the consortium. So the opportunity was presented to you, but you decided to say, you know what, let's flip that. I'm gonna offer the opportunity out to everybody. Absolutely. Why? Because it's bigger than me. I know so many people that's great carriers that will eat this up. Cause I've already been running the lanes. I know how um, it can transform a company. Cause we went from three trucks to nine trucks in a year, less than a year, maybe four or five months quick off of just having dedicated freight mm. alone. And that's not counting, you know, diesel discounts that we get now, access to tires of capital. So just off having dedicated freight was like game changer. Got you. So for people who may not understand what a consortium is, could you just kind of put some definition <laughs> around that? So uh, a consortium. So what I do. So I, I tell you how we built it. Right. So um, after I put it to paper, UPS, I had to pitch it to the boards, right? Tell them everything we was doing. So we did it. They loved it. Okay. So immediately they was like, okay, how soon can you get this going? How many units do you think you can get? Bids come out in a month. I came back a week later with 500 units. 500 units? 500 units. How? Uh, Part of different organizations, organizations. right? But, but how did you even do that outreach in that 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 fast? I mean, what was this email blast? Do you know the heads of different organizations to re reach out? Like, how did you get in? Because I mean, that's a lot of carriers, right? In a very short amount of time, and it's really not. Well, there are some minority carriers out here that has some capacity. So, there you go. Mm -hmm. That's true. And, and um, so, um, what I did was they asked the same question, and I told them I need some marketing material. I don't need anything typed up. I need to get some video content to my people. My people are not going to read five pages of a consortium. I need to show them. So that's when um, UPS wanted to, in any way, they featured us and we filmed that uh, video in February. Okay. They had us as uh, they, the, in the Black History Month carry of the year. Okay. Um, so that was just all, okay, we can put this content together. So they came up with their video and I started traveling. Got you. Got you. So what what what's in it for you for for within the consortium? Uh, so the consortium concept, United Us Global is a brokerage. Mm -hmm. um, so um, the funds that we get is between me and the customer. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we go out and we recruit minority owned carriers. We help them get certified through NMSDC. Uh, NMSDC, if they're not familiar with it, is the National uh, Supply Diversity Council. Okay. So what that does is that shows that your company is a minority owned company. That way that uh, the comp customers like UPS can then report to the government. We are doing business with minority owned companies. Here's their certification. Here's their certification number. Mm. I came up with the concept because now UPS get tax credits for doing business with minorities and they get freight opportunities from doing business with minorities through mm. the government. People look at FEMA and disaster relief, that's government freight. And UPS is a brokerage, so all that water that people take into disaster relief areas, UPS get, you know, uh, contracts for, for, from the government to move those right, uh, right, products. Right, right, right. What type of uh, qual qualifiers or what, what type of criteria do these carriers need to have? And, 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 and has it been difficult for you to find carriers? Absolutely. It was so difficult for me, you know, um, 
when I first got with UPS, the onboarding process, I had to go from 100,000 cargo to 250,000. Only been in business a few months, just got insurance, it's almost impossible. Right. And it took me about six months to get that increase because my insurance provider was like, dude, you've been in business you know, a few months and you want increase double and some. Right. And they wanted a three million liability versus a million. So that increase was phenomenally expensive. Right. Being a, a brand new carrier, we just paid um, maybe about nine, fifteen thousand dollars down on the insurance that we had currently. Right. And then we turned right back around and had to put another twenty thousand down to increase that to get that increase was was everything we saved at the time. So with this concept, how how much were, did you project that you'd be able to fill as far as capacity? Like, what'd you tell them? that like, what was your promise to UPS? Like you'd be able to get this amount of trucks or what would you tell them in your proposal? Um, they, they really didn't ask. They okay. just wanted to see what I can come up with. Okay. But you know, I hit them over the head a little heavier than they expected. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. But you know, it was great. You know, we doubled their minority spend mm. immediately. Got you, got immediately. you. And how much of a game changer has this been for the, the, the carriers that have uh, you know, signed on with you guys and working with you. Man, it's been great. Um, the carriers are doing well. Uh, we may have paid out over $9 million to minority carriers over the last year and a half. Oh, wow. We've moved over 4,000 truckloads for UPS. Wow. So yeah, it's been great. So, so this is an opportunity that's open to anybody. So a carrier who's looking right now that fits that criteria that we just, just mentioned, or you, you can just go over the criteria, ha, ha, like this is for them. This is for any carrier that's thinking about getting into trucking. This is for any carrier that has one truck. This is for any carrier that has 200 trucks. I want to help anybody and everybody. The uh, insurance requirement, you don't have to have right away and still pull the freight. I can help you along the way because I have the insurance requirement through my brokerage. Okay. So I want to make sure that we could have that insurance uh, in the beginning, so that was something I worked out with UPS because at first I wanted to do like a subcontract type deal, and they was like, "No, we have to make this a brokerage right. in order to make it make sense legally." Right. So, um, yeah. So, how does how does working with UPS in, in terms of just their business and and their structure, like how much easier does it make it for like a, a carrier? Because it's like a it's like a game changer because they've been around forever. They have certain systems and stuff in place. Like, how much easier does it make the life of a of a trucking company? Oh man, yeah, they pump out so much freight. It makes it so much easier. You're not chasing loads on the load board. It's consistent. Whatever you bid, that's what you're gonna get. Every load. Mm. So it is, you you know what you're gonna make every week. It's 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 beautiful. Got you. So how, how does the loads work? Are you dealing with a dispatcher? Is it a load board? Is it like a like an app where you go on, you see what's available. How does that? How does that? So work? when we do our onboarding process, we learn different things about the carrier. If they certified, how many units do they have? How many do they have tra drop trailer capacity? So we find where do they like to run? Is it regional, local? Where are they from? So we kind of tailor the bids out to those carriers who's a part of the consortium. Mm -hmm. uh, the bids come out in March this month, the okay. end of the month. Okay. So. Um, what I do say, you're a carrier, you have 20 units out of New Jersey, you like to run New Jersey to the Midwest. I would then customize this billion dollars worth of freight, origin, you know, uh, New Jersey, destination Midwest. And it's going to pull up everything 
that you're looking for, I email it to you. It shows you the date, times, how many loads it come out a week. It gives you everything you need to know about that, that freight for the whole year. And then you take that and you bid on it. And then I take your bids and I submit it. Got you. So you, you, so the carrier bids and then you submit the bids to UPS and they approve the bid? Yes. So how, how long does that typically take for something like that to happen? Because are you you're building you're bidding on like a lane? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is like a like a long term contract. Yep. They they annual. They, okay. They year long. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you if you win the bid, you get it for a year. For the whole year. Okay, got you. And then when that when that year is up, what do you have to do? Rebid. You rebid. Uh, they come to you and ask you, you know, do you think you need more for this lane or less, or are you happy where you at? And they have a a uh, target rate. So you can either accept the target rate, stay where you are, or be it more or less, and you have to explain why. Okay. And then they take it from there. If they approve it, you still have their lane. If not, it goes back into the overall bid, which is like next month. Got you. How's the retention so far on the guys that you've been working with? Uh, the guys have been great. You know, um, sometimes, you know, guys overshoot themselves because they see that it's UPS and they think it's good, UPS is going to pay them $5 a mile. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, gotta, you got to realize, you know, UPS, they they, they, they the rate makers, man. Right. They, right. they big boys out here. So right. they know what the rates are, right. you know, and what regions pay where and how much they pay. So guys got to understand when they're bidding on this freight, you got to, just like you on the low boy, you know, Freight is bad in Florida. Right. You're not going to get three dollars a mile out of Florida, so right. you got to bid accordingly. So is it more of like maybe like a volume game to where it's like, well, I mean, if if you have the capacity, like you know, you don't really because because you know the freight is dedicated, you know it's there, so you think kind of like long term, like if you have this ch- contract locked in, you're going to make your money. You're going to make your money. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You yeah. got to think long term, and you, you can't think three and four dollars a mile. You know, just depend on your region. You know. Yeah. And I can help out with that. How, how how much opportunity is there with UPS? Like, how big can this thing go? UPS is really focused on diversity span this year. Um, every carrier that reach out to UPS that's a minority-owned carrier, they shoot them my way. Um, because they really want to focus on the consortium this year. Because we are um, the second largest minority carrier now. And we are the uh, best performing. Mm. Yeah, we, last year we performed at 98.8% over 2,500 loads. And uh, this year we performed at 97.9 over 4,000 loads. Gotcha. And how is that performance graded? What is that like on delivery? Like what, what is, how uh, is that graded? It's, you know, UPS is expedited service. So they want, as soon as you pick it up, you need to go drop it off. Right. <laughs> they may give you a two or three hour window, you know, for gas and traffic and stuff like that. So. The service got to be there, uh, on-time pickup, delivery, and communication. Right. That's how they grade you. So when you're reporting to, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, this is your business, but who are you speaking to in order to keep things going with this con- consortium? Like, who's your, like, who do you have to re- relate to? At UPS? U- yeah, UPS. Um, I report to the head of transportation. Okay. Yep. Um, I, Mr. Chip and uh, Rob. And I also speak with the diversity team. I speak to them maybe every two weeks. Got you. And what type of things are they looking for uh, from you? Like what type of information, what kind of data points are they are they really trying to, you know, to see what's, what's going on? Uh, they just want to see new carriers, the growth of the consortium, um, and want to know how can they help more. Mm. That's m- most of the conversation. What can we do more? Got you. And what are the, some of those conversations? How do you, How do you think they can help more? You know, I, the more that I give them on our needs, 
the more they t understand because you know sometimes what they think help us it's not you know <laughs> <laughs> right but right. you gotta look these people are like here man like in transportation we not saying that they higher or than us but the level of their right. work and right. the scope of their work is so broad right. that they don't even know what's happening on you know right the everyday level. Got you. So what are some of those things that 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 you relate to them that, you know, could could help out um, the different carriers? Um, you know, access to trailers, you know, UPS, they want you to, you know, if you get a lane that goes out once a week, it takes four trailers to run that one lane. Mm -hmm. You need two at the shipper at all time, one in transit and one at the receiver. So to run one lane, you need four trailers and a lot of carriers. So that means you need to have three and a half trailers to every truck that you own. Right. We already don't have the capacity. So right. not having access to trailers was tough. And uh, UPS connected us with an amazing trailer source, a commercial trailer leasing with the Gossett family, New Jersey guys. Okay. They are amazing uh, company to work with. And those guys sponsor us with trailers. And as long as we get contracted freight, I can get as many trailers as we need. Got you. And what's the cost of the carrier? Uh, it just depends on how many units they need. It's okay. very, very affordable. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm just throwing a number out. It's like 500 a month. Okay. But the carriers, you know, they have, uh, uh, they got to pay for the damages on the trailers and gotcha. upkeep. Gotcha. But it's very, very. Affordable. Yeah, definitely. Are Are you still running uh, units under under uh, Unitas? Absolutely. Uh, Unitas Global. Unitas Global is my freight brokerage. Right. My asset based side is uh, Unitas Logistics. Yep, uh, we have 22 units. Okay. 22 units. 22 units. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. And 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 like how how is it performing? Everything's going well? Man, we smoking, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's 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 the growth been like especially with, with COVID and everything going on? Like how how's business been for you oh, on the man, asset side? COVID. Oh, on the in both sides, you know, when COVID first hit, it was devastating. It was scary for everyone, even UPS. I saw the panic in them and um, the uncertainty of the market. And March is when the bids come out. Right. COVID hit March. Hit March, <laughs> right? Uh, so the bids come out. Um, I submitted the bids. We, we bid about $21 million worth of freight. Mm -hmm. UPS came back and was like, we don't know what the market's going to look like. Might need to trim some of the fat. And I trimmed it down as far as I could. And um, I turned down about $17 million worth of work mm. in COVID. Wow. Because the relationship is more important than the money. And I told, and they were so like, like you turned down, like the head of transportation called me in the office, like you turned down what? Yeah. And I told him, you know, I'd rather keep the relationship than the $17 million. Got so when you say you turned it down, like what, what do you mean exactly by that? So uh, the, the freight that they wanted me to um, to trim the fat down off of it for the, the, the 17, it wasn't it wasn't enough for the work. OK, you know, I, I already trimmed down as much as I could to make it make sense to the carrier. And um, that's what I did. And it just wasn't enough. And they was it wasn't that they didn't want to spend the money. They was unsure, right. too. Right. And I'm glad I did because rates shot out the roof, you know, yeah, yeah. April, May. Yeah. So if I would have had took that $17 million, every carry I had would have jumped ship because the freight wasn't paying what the load board is paying, gotcha. you know, because gotcha. the rates just went out of the roof and UPS 
respected it so much later. Can, can you take me through that process when you're talking about bidding on 17, 21 million dollars of freight? What does that even mean? Like, because like, how, how do you, what exactly are you doing when you're bidding, with, bidding on 20 million dollars worth of freight? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because right, right. it sounds good, right. but what does that mean? So, like I said, I, I narrow it down to all my carriers. I send them what they need. They send me back their bids. I so so you're, look, you're looking at a year projection, right? And you're looking at you're looking at all the different truckloads that are going to be going out for the yep. year. Mm -hmm. do, do, how do you know what the what 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 it's going to be like? What the amount is like? Where do you get the data to do these bids? Um, you know, just like uh, I got some other um, some other people that I lean on. Okay, that's in the industry. Okay. They help me with you know market analysis and seeing what the rates are in certain regions. Okay, so I have a whole team of people that help with that. Got you. Yep. So what's like the formula though? Because I'm just interested. Because when, when I hear like 21 million, I'm like, damn, that sounds like a lot. But how do you get to that number? You know. What I'm saying? But you know what's crazy? 21 million is nothing, nothing <laughs> right? You know, and I learned that dealing right. with UPS, right. and they had to get me around. You know. Um, in some of their meetings, just so I can see how much you said twenty-one million. I just told you they got a billion dollars worth of freight. <laughs> right. right. Twenty-one million is like a drop right. in the bucket. Right? right. But for us, it seems it's game changing. Right. So it to them is like a drop. For us, it's everything. Right. Got you. So, uh, yeah, man, just taking all that data and analyzing it and submitting those bids. That's in UPS turnaround fast. You submit bids, you will know if you won in five days. Mm. So what do you enjoy more, the, the asset side or the, the brokerage side? I love transportation. Man. Period. You can, man, I can sit in a, in a desk right now. My dispatchers get mad at me. <laughs> They'll wake up, I don't move half their trucks. <laughs> what are you doing? I can't help it, man. I'm bored. I need to do something. Right, so right, right. I just love transportation. What man. do you love about it? It reminds me of sports. It's so competitive. It's problem solving. I play defensive tackle in the NFL, and people look at athletes and think, you know, this is just a dumb jock, right? Man, we got to analyze so much stuff in seconds. Mm. Seconds. Offense break the huddle. I got to see how many offense alignment up, where they're tight in, what's the formation, how many receivers over here. Okay, in this formation, I get this many blocks schemes. In this formation, I get this many blocks schemes. Okay, they motion over here. Okay, I can get this, this, and that. Boom, I right. know what I'm going to get. Right. That's transportation. Mm. Mm. Say Problem solving. So solid. break that same thing down in trucking then. Hey, Got to pick up this load, flat tire. Okay, we got to fix this. Uh, driver not answering the phone. We got to get another driver on the way right now. Right. You know, it's just all problem solving. Quick, right now, problem solving. I think that's that's what I love about it, the action. So you're still very hands on in like the actual day to day operation. Like you love that kind of stuff. F F yes. <laughs> <laughs> Seven thirty a.m. Zoom call. I'm. I need to know where are my trucks. How they running? Where are you sending them? Why are you sending them there? Yeah. And how much did their load pay? And we need to average this every week per unit. Got you. Every day. Got every you. Every day. I love it, man. My broker side every day. Do you talk to your drivers often? Yes. What What kind of feedback do you do you get from them? Um, you know, on the road. What's What, what, what are you hearing from them right now? My drivers are in heaven, man. I man, have they're a, happy. Yeah, my I keep my drivers happy, man. I pay them sixty cents a mile. Okay. You okay. know, a lot of drivers, you know, 40 cents a mile, right? 60 cents a mile, get them home. If I got guys living in bad regions like Florida, they get home every two weeks. Mm. If I got guys living in the Midwest, Memphis, where freight's plentiful and good, they get home every weekend. 
Gotcha. And uh, if they come in, if they live in the Memphis area or like I said, the Midwest, they go on through their homes two or three times a week. Got you. So you said you're paying them 60 cents a mile. What made you decide to pay, you know, above what would be industry standard? Because the rates are there. Mm. Um, one thing about business, bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. Mm. So um, I always believe in spreading the wealth. Uh, I'm still on a salary. To this day, I make millions of dollars. I pay myself $1,500 a week to this day because that's all I need to take care of my family. Everything else is because I got another 40, 50 families I'm taking care of. Right. So everything I got, I make sure that everybody else is compensated first. Got you. Got you. And and what, what is what, what do you think is the future or not what you think? What is the future of Unite? Because now you have Unite uh, Logistics. You have Unite Global. Right. What, what how are you going to continue to build this conglomerate? Because I'm seeing like a theme here. What, what's what's next? Next is more customers. Uh, we are in the process of talking with L'Oreal and Walmart. Okay. Walmart wants us to get that five-year mark. Um, I have some great connections there. We'll be at five years in May on the asset base side. I just needed one of them to hit five years. So we've been talking for a couple of years now. Okay. Um, John Deere, a good 360. So just building them customers and showing them that we can help them with a minority spend mm. and, and chasing the carriers, man, and, and educating my carriers. Right. Because um, there's so many guys that need it. Yeah. Not just dedicated freight, but a lot of carriers don't know what it costs to run a company. Right. What does it cost me per mile to run my trucking company? Right. And once you learn little things like that, you'll know how to make money in this industry. For sure. Are you able to leverage that relationship with UPS to attract these other uh, big customers you're trying to get? Oh, man, absolutely. Um, I was um, UPS's uh, member of the year for NMSDC. So they walked around Pepsi's and Coca-Cola's and just showing them what they're doing uh, with their minority spend. And so, yeah, a lot of customers are reaching out now. So this is a problem that a lot of customers are, are having. So this is a big pain point for them. It's huge because uh, even to get into the door with UPS, you got to have 150 trucks, 400 trailers. How many minorities have that? Right. Right. So if UPS have them uh, stipulations, all of these major corporations do. So that's why I built the consortium and we can bring our capacity together and service these customers. Right, right, right. I mean, this is what, what you're doing is what a lot of people have talked about. I mean, I've heard it in a lot of rooms and conversations. Like if we all get together, bring our capacity together, we can actually move some serious freight, but nobody ever does it. Right, it's because uh, us as a people, we don't trust. Um, and it's a lot of greed, uh, a lot of jealousy, and uh, not enough Indians. Right. Um, so when people start putting the organization together, as soon as you start making peanuts, things go haywire because people are counting the peanuts. Right. So <laughs> right, right, right. I think that's a problem. And I, and I really think I'm a good person for it because I've, I've had money since I was 22 years old. Right. I'm not moved by it. Um, I came from nothing. So the sky's the limit. I risk it all, man. Right. You right. know, to um, to help my people. How were you able to not fall into that or, uh, you know, be looked at by other people in the community as that type of person? Like, have you ever has anybody ever approached you with that type of energy? Like, man, you know, you just trying to do this, to, you know, like, like, has it ever come your way? I have not. No, I have not. Because when I sit down and start having a conversation, they they're going to automatically know I'm not that guy. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Man, that's 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 awesome, man. That's awesome. 
So, so we have these two companies. You said the next thing is more customers. So you're going to try to replicate the same, the same business model within these other uh, companies. It's, it's not a business different. model of UPSs. This is my business model. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is this is on the road. This isn't UPSs. This is right. this is ours. Right, right, right. That's, so, that's what I'm saying. So you'll replicate this same consortium style concept, concept mm-hmm. in, in in other with other shippers or other absolutely. customers. Absolutely, they love it. They absolutely love it because they don't have to do business or contact. You know, um, his trucking company with five trucks, yours with twenty, his with thirty. They can come to one organization that has all of these minority carriers and it's helping they span. Right. And uh, big corporations, they want to be able to cut the head off one snake, not a hundred. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. How, so, how do you plan on getting the word out? Because this is this is a huge opportunity. And I mean, people need to know, like, what are you doing to, to, to get the word out to these carriers um, in our community that there's this opportunity there? Yeah, you know, um, I have to get used to doing stuff like this. You know, I've been, I've always, been kind of private and I don't want to come off as arrogant and I don't want to put stuff on social media with the flashiness or none of that to attract people. So I've always been super, super humble, but I do have to do a better job of exposing it. And I'm trying to do it in a in a not so flashy way. Right. Because I see these gurus of transportation all on the internet and I get so many carriers that sign up for their programs that they're losing mm. and that I can help because I have a dispatch service as well and I move carriers for days. Right. So, uh, yeah, man, I just don't want to look like those guys. Nah, I got you. And look like I'm trying to take. Yeah. And to become a consortium member is free. I don't take. That's important. I don't take anything. We love free. Me. Right. <laughs> right. It's free um, to sign up. We do have products that you can pay for if you need to, you know, Get certification. We can okay. help you get certified. Yeah. If you need access to capital, if you need to get your business credit fixed. Okay. Or we can help with that. Okay. Um, we help with dispatch services. Okay. Um, we help with compliance. If you need to get your back office uh, together, we have compliance team. So we kind of uh, do it all in, a, in the consortium. So if you have, if we have products that you want to take advantage of to help your company, it's very, very affordable. Got gotcha. you. So you, sure you say you say it's free. What's 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 the process? Just like an email or so uh you can you can go to our website at uniteusglobal.com and um you can literally click a sign up button and it'll take you to another portal and it ask you some of the same questions I told you, like are you certified, how many units you have, right. what regions you like to run. So we have this all in this database and then from there we contact you and and, and uh and like now we'll be doing a Zoom um, um, after this content come out to get your followers involved. Yeah. Um, a Zoom may know how to do business with UPS and what that look like. And so we can give them a little more hands on than this podcast. OK, got you. So it'll basically once you send an email, it'll basically send you an email back with all the opportunities, so forth and so on. And you guys start the relationship there. Yep. So once they sign up, we'll have their information. And then, like I said, we're going to send them the information on the Zoom and see if they want to participate. And then from there, we start bidding on freight. This is dope, man. This is really yeah, dope. Man. Listen, man, um, this was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate, you know, what you're doing for, for our community and, 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 you know, this opportunity that you're bringing, because I think everybody needs to know about this. I mean, we're talking about having access to freight. I mean, that's the game that we're in. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And, and not just that, man. You know, when we pull our capacity together, that means you have buying power as well. Mm. That means cheaper insurance. That means um, even when we onboard our carriers, we ask them to send us over 
uh, your quarterly spend in diesel because we go after diesel discounts. Right now we're getting about 40 cents off a gallon at Love's. We're talking about game changing. Super game changing. We saving 400, 500 bucks per week wow. in diesel per unit. Wow. Game changer. So when you get discounts like these and, and pull this capacity together, get cheaper insurance and discounts on tires, access to capital. Now you can bid on this freight at 220 a mile like J.B. Hunt, right. like Snyder, and you can make money with $2.26 a mile. No doubt. No versus doubt. chasing $3 because of the, the benefits that you get from being a consortium member. For sure. I love it, man. It sounds like I might even become a consortium member, man. I got a, I ain't even got a truck. You know what I'm saying? I got <laughs> Hey man, we can get you wrong. I might, I might go, I might do my thing, man. It sounds awesome, man. Like I said, I love what you're doing. Um, before, before we go, it's law on this show. We always have to get a final thought. That thought could just, you know, from the heart, you know, whatever, whatever's on your heart to, to let the audience know. And then we have to let everybody know where they can connect with you, man, and, and learn more about you. You mentioned it, but let's just reiterate it so everybody knows exactly where they can learn more about Unitas and everything you have going on. So let's start with that final thought. It's on you, my brother. My final thought to you guys is sacrifice. A lot of guys become truck owners um, after driving for a big company for four and five, six years. And as soon as they get a truck, they want to be at home every night. You sacrifice and put millions into this company. Why wouldn't you do that for your own company? Why do you need to live like you make $3,000 a week? You never have before. Pay yourself a set salary, put the rest back into your business. Everything that falls into your account, reinvest. Reinvest, live humbly and reinvest. And I'm saying that from experience, I moved my family from a five bedroom home into a three bedroom apartment. I sold my boat to start my trucking company. And that's humble coming from where I come from. And every dollar I had saved, I put it up for my children. And I was 31 years old when I retired and I said, I can work. And from there, I just been sacrificing. I say sacrifice is everything. Do not come off that road when you get your truck. Go get the money. No doubt. Reinvest. No doubt. And let everybody know where they can connect with you uh, directly. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Unite Us One. Unite Us Global One. I'm sorry. When you go on there, it's not going to be a lot of followers. <laughs> it's not going to be a lot of likes. Right. But, you know, we right. just now getting that part going. Like I said, I want to uh, uh, start doing more of that and showing and not just going to the members that I know. I got to reach people who, who need to see this outside of the my circle. Right. So I really appreciate you for this platform. And any of your members want to join, man, let's go. No doubt. Tank Johnson, yes, unite sir. us. Appreciate my you, man. my brother. Thank you, Thank you so man. much for joining me today on Absolutely. the show. Absolutely. Listen, Hustle fam, make sure y'all connect with my brother Tank. And as we always say, if you smell something burning, it's only your desire. Yes, Me sir. and Tank, we out. We out. Later.